Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Matthew 13, I gave you some time. That was just a buffer just to get you to open your Bibles or your tablet or your phone. Matthew 13 is where we're going to spend the rest of the time together this morning. Again, this series is called Stories. So if you're taking notes, this sermon is called Waiting in the Weeds. Waiting in the Weeds. And if you don't have something to take notes on, we got you. We got note-taking books notebooks at our connections table so stop by there before you leave they even have a cool little logo on them Matthew 13 and we're going to start in verse 27 and it's cold mornings like this that really gets me excited about spring anybody ready for some warmer weather I am I'm ready I'm not built for this I feel every degree that drops but then when I start thinking about the warmer weather I know that also means yard work not too excited about that a lot of yard work. It's crazy. So my, my front and backyards, if you keep them mowed short enough, it actually looks like grass. It's pretty amazing. Yep. looks like pretty green grass, too. But as soon as it starts growing at all, you quickly realize there is not a single blade of grass in that lawn. It is all weeds. So we mow it a lot just so it looks somewhat presentable. With that in mind, it's a great illustration of what the kingdom of God looks like. My front yard. If you want to swing by, feel free. This is actually what Jesus teaches about in this parable that we're going to see. This story, this teaching story that Jesus shares here in Matthew 13, verse 24. He says, Matthew 13, 24 says, He presented, he being Jesus, another parable to them. And if you've seen Matthew 13, it's a whole bunch of parables. He says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Let me just pause there for a second as we learn how to study, precedent and study in the Bible. What is Jesus using this parable to teach about? Do you guys catch it? The kingdom of heaven. That's important. This parable is about the kingdom of heaven. Last week, Andy did an excellent job leading us through the parable of the, so- the sower and the-, the four soils or the soils. And uh, do you know what that parable was about? The kingdom of heaven. Did you, guys know that? Did you guys catch that? It's one of those few parables that Jesus actually takes time to explain. He says, anyone who hears the word about the kingdom is about the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew, it's this whole Matthew 13 passage. In verse 10, the disciples came up to him and said, why are you speaking in parables? And he says in verse 11, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you to know kingdom of heaven. Jesus, after he was baptized in Matthew chapter 4, it says, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is a hallmark teaching, the core of his teaching throughout all of his ministry, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. You see, after Jesus was crucified, buried, three days later, resurrected, and then walked to earth for another 40 days before he ascended into heaven. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says, After he, being Jesus, had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus taught a lot about the kingdom, and so we probably better listen about the kingdom. 
because it transforms how we view every day in the right now. And that's what we're going to see here this morning. So again, verse 24 and 25 of Matthew 13, he says, it says again, he presented another parable to them, and he's speaking to the crowd. There was a crowd that came around. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man sow who sowed good seed in his field. But while the people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and left. Not a farmer, all right? Not a farmer, but I know enough that weeds are bad. We tracking there? Actually, what weeds do, it steals the needed nutrients from the crops, especially here the wheat, and really hampers or can hamper their growing, maturing, and producing. That's what weeds do. So weeds, not good. Verse 26, it says, When the, wheat, the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. That's interesting because the weeds have always been there. But it wasn't until then that they started seeing that their weeds were present. Doing some research on this, it seems like it could have been this weed called Darnell. Darnell is a weed that plagued farmers throughout history and likely would have connected with the listeners here during this parable with the weeds in this story. The Darnell is referred to the mimic weed, and it's indistinguishable with wheat until much later in the growth phase when the wheat begins to produce. That's interesting. So with that in mind, verse 27 says, The landowner's servants came to him said, Master, didn't you sow good seeds in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So, do you want us to go and pull them up? The servants asked. And this is a great question because I would have said the same thing. Weeds bad. Wheat good. Pull up the bad, invest in the good, right? That just makes sense. But the root system of the Darnell by this time would have been so entangled with the root system of the wheat, pulling the weeds would endanger the wheat. Verse 29. No, he said, when you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Note that the landowner actually decides it's essential to the life of the wheat to let, to allow the weeds to remain. Verse 30, he continues to say, let both grow together, grow together until the harvest. At the harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. The landowner allows the weeds to grow with the wheat for a predetermined amount of time. So just as we stop here for a second, why is Jesus teaching about wheat and weeds? Seems odd. Let's just talk about farming. Shall we? Is he teaching about better techniques, strategies to earn a larger income through farming? If we look at this, and we're going to see, he's actually teaching about a kingdom concept of enduring faith. Do you guys see that? Yeah, if not, it's okay, because neither did the disciples. They had no idea. 
And this is one of those rare instances where Jesus goes and the disciples say, Jesus, can you please explain? And we see the explanation. And I personally love it because he's pretty straightforward. We know exactly what he meant because he's about to say exactly what he meant. Go down to verse 36. It says, Then he left the crowds and went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He replied, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. And we're just going to walk through this together. So the Son of Man was a reference for the Messiah. And so we say the landowner, the sower of the good seed, it's him. It's Jesus. I am the landowner in this parable that I'm teaching about. And notice that the landowner has all the authority. And we're going to see even what that really entails even more so. But he's the one that sows the good seed. And we see that in Matthew 28, verse 18. After his resurrection, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That means absolute authority everywhere, anywhere, all the time. So he says, I am the landowner. Verse 38, the field is the world. That's interesting. The world that we live in is a field that Jesus is teaching about. He goes on to say, and the good seed, these are the children of the kingdom. In other words, children of the king. Galatians 3, verse 26 says that through faith, that was good. I want to emphasize through faith. You are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. Through faith, you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is the one sowing, scattering the good seed. It's interesting. In the world. Reminds me of John 6 when Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's what God does, draws people to himself. But that word there that Jesus uses is drawing, the same word that we see in John chapter 21, verse 6, where the disciples are, are fishing, and Jesus is on the shore, and the disciples have been fishing and aren't catching a thing. These are professional fishermen, and Jesus says, why don't you try the other side of the boat? And they do. And it says, so they did, and they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. That same hauling, the large, uh, pulling, can you imagine that, what that looks like? Large number of fish, the net's breaking, they're trying to pull it in. That's the same word that's used when Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sends him draws me. This is pulling dragging, hauling. That's interesting because I was thinking about how I came to Jesus. That was much more of a pulling, dragging, me fighting, kicking, probably screaming at times before I finally surrendered to Jesus. It took me a long time, a lot of different people just pouring into me before God finally opened my eyes and my heart to the goodness of the gospel and his grace and his amazing love. How about you? What's your story? Have you been there? Fighting Jesus every bit of the way until finally you get to the point of, I see it. I see my need, and I see how good of a God he is. 
Or are you still fighting? And God's still drawing and pulling and tugging and maybe that's you this morning. But we see that these good seeds is the one that Jesus is scattering across the field to earth. Verse 38 continues, the weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. So to simplify terms, the wheat are those who have professed faith alone in Christ alone by his grace alone, saved, adopted as children of his. The wheat. Which means the weeds is everyone else. Simply unbelievers, if we're just being frank about it. Those who have chosen an anti-faith dismissal of Jesus over a faith-filled devotion to Jesus. In other words, weeds are those who have chosen neutrality with or hostility towards God. Neutrality meaning kind of whatever. You do you, I'll do me. Maybe God, maybe not. It's all good. Is the same thing as I hate God and everybody who talks about him. I hate Jesus and everybody who confesses him. And I'm actively opposed to him like Saul was at one point before he came Paul. All is the same. Jesus says, anyone who's not with me is against me. I think we have a softer understanding of, well, if you're neutral, like you're open to it, like God's gracious, he is. But he's also just. And we see that this blindness that the devil has over those who don't believe. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 talks about this. It says, in this case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. That is, the devil, Satan, the accuser, the enemy, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. There is a constant spiritual war that's raging. And there's a blindness that's happening. And so the two points I want us to see, just stop and pause and ponder right at this moment. Point number one. In this parable, it was not until the wheat began producing that the weeds were recognized. It's interesting. It wasn't until the wheat began to produce until you could see the weeds. Jesus says in Matthew 7, you'll recognize them by their fruit. And sometimes it will take some time. But at some point... You, being a Christian, should look more and more like the one you claim to follow, Christ. It's interesting, as you think about this, this parable that Jesus gives, speaking to a crowd and the disciples. It's interesting that Judas Iscariot would have been in this crowd with the disciples. And Judas had to have been just looked just like all the other disciples. He's doing the same thing, spending the same time, had some responsibilities within the group. But all the time, he was a weed among the wheat. But the fruit would come out eventually. At the same time, you think about Peter. The Peter, the same disciple with a foot-shaped mouth, right? The same disciple tried to kill a dude but missed with a sword and chopped off the ear, right? This is a guy known just for 
speaking first, acting first, and then maybe thinking sometime down the road. I mean, if you had to choose between Judas at the time and Peter, and you said, which one's a Christian and which one's not, you'd probably went with Judas. Let's just be honest. But then you start seeing fruit, evidence. Sometimes it takes some time. We talk about occasionally here that growth happens not in a necessarily, it happens a daily. Maturity happens daily. Spiritual growth happens daily. But it won't happen in a day. As soon as you confess Christ, it's not like you arrived sinless free and in perfection. We still have our struggles, but yet growth happens daily. And so there's a great patience we have with ourselves and with others. But yet there should be fruits, there should be growth, there should be something demonstrated because the Holy Spirit is working in and through you at the moment you believe. So one, this parable's not, it wasn't until the weed started, wheat started producing until you saw the weeds. Point number two, the life-sucking weeds did not stop the wheat from producing life-giving seeds. I'm going to say it again, because I think it sounds awesome. The life-sucking weeds did not stop the wheat from producing life-giving seeds. It's exactly what happens. They start growing, and it wasn't until you started the seed head to be developed in the wheat that you could tell the wheat from the weeds. But the whole time, the weeds are sucking and drawing the nutrients, but yet the wheat was still growing. And you start thinking about how this applies to our life. Because we're going to get there here in a minute. But start thinking about being wheat among the weeds. In verse 39, he continues to explain. He says, the harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. And finally, we have a time period. So we have the people, we have the place, and we have the time period. And so it speaks to where we're living right now. It's called the already but not yet. That means we're living in this the kingdom has come and is coming continuing until its completion. This is what this looks like. Christians are living right now in an incomplete kingdom while waiting for the completed kingdom to come. That shapes how we view every day. Right now, there is a kingdom continuing. The king has come, the kingdom's being established. established but it's incomplete, but it's pending completion. So because we're in an incomplete kingdom, Christians will experience conflict with those who are anti-Christ. Again, speaking of those who are either neutral or hostile, both are anti-Christ. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew 24. Jesus says, Then they will hand you over to be persecuted, and they will kill you, you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And it says this, this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to the nations and then the end will come. And there's been a lot of debate what this means, but 
I'm just going to stick with what Jesus says. The good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed into all the nations. And then once that happens, what's it say? Then the end will come, meaning Jesus will return. The harvest will start taking place. The point is, like the landowner's perfect timing, when he scheduled the harvest, he can tell when the harvest needs to happen. If he does it too early, then he'll lose some of the the production that could have happened if he harvests his crops too early. If he does it too late, the crops start dying, so it has to be at the right time. In the same way, Jesus will return to rescue those who are his, retrieving the wheat out of the weeds. Start thinking about how this influences how we live right now. So what do we do in the right now as wheat amongst weeds? What do we do? I want to point out again, the weeds did not stop the wheat from growing, maturing, and producing. So let me give us three takeaways, applications. What do we do right now? We're in the already but not yet. We're in this waiting period until Jesus returns, but doesn't mean we don't do anything. So we have three points just to think through how supply and take away into our Sunday afternoon and Monday mornings. Number one, we're waiting among the weeds. Waiting among the weeds. What's that mean? Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, I think, gives a good picture of what this means. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. While we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we start seeing what this waiting looks like. Waiting is living a certain way. It talks about righteous, godly, sensible, denying worldly lusts. So let's think about this. What does how we handle life show about where our hope lies? What does how you handle when life happens show where your hope lies? Does that make sense? Are we tracking there? Thinking a little deeper, in our waiting, weeds are watching. What are they seeing? Let me give you a quick example, and this is a kind of a silly example, but it shows something. So, believe it or not, the 49ers lost last Sunday. I know, unbelievable. Shocked. You know, I've been a 49ers fan since I was about eight, a couple years ago. Pretty passionate as I got older, especially in my young adult years. Probably to the point that you would have thought I actually played for the 49ers if they lost. Like, devastated, mad, my day was ruined. I started thinking about that. How silly. Like that, they're not devastated when Josh Weatherspoon doesn't perform well at work on Monday. They don't care. 
I'm not getting paid for the 49ers. I have no buy-in at all. Like, how silly. Like, my day would get ruined. I'd be in a, just kind of a funk, even mad like they lost. And I started thinking, what is that showing to people around me? Like, I have a lot of hope that lies in the 49ers for some reason. Thank the Lord I don't feel that way anymore. But there was a time, not too distant past, that I did. Now, it's a very minor superficial example about how silly things impact us, but take it a step further. In the waiting, things are going to happen. In this incomplete kingdom, things are going to go south. What happens to you? What happens to you when things don't per- turn out the way you want it? Your perfect plans don't come to pass. What happens to you when things aren't being provided in the way you think they could or should be? What happens to you when you're just surrounded by the weeds that seem to be always against you, what happens to you? What do you start showing? What comes out? In those moments, you start seeing where our hope rests. And there's too many things and too many examples to go into them all here, but you know what I'm talking about. Monday's coming. How do you handle Monday mornings? How do you handle conflict at work? How do you handle conflict in the house? How do you handle loss and suffering these things happen because we live in an incomplete kingdom. It doesn't mean that we're not his for those who are following Jesus. It means that we are living in an incomplete kingdom. So waiting among the weeds. Number two, walking among the weeds. Walking among the weeds. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 and 7 says, So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Meaning, as long as we're here on earth, we're not in the physical presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we long to be, but since we're not, we are here. And so while we're here, we're walking, we're living by faith, not by sight. Now think about how that pans out, because often our emotions... And all the things that we just talked about are very much influenced by what we see and feel. But if you flip that, how does our faith override our feelings? We talked about it before, our feelings lie. I wake up in the morning for no reason at all just being mad. Like, these are great. And I feel just like a grump. My feelings lie. So how do you fight your feelings and what you see and experience with the faith where our hope lies? We walk by faith and not by sight. So things happen around us. There is a spiritual warfare that's very real that happens. So how do we walk by faith knowing that Jesus is still king, he's still reigning, ruling, and working, growing us in the midst of our walking amongst the weeds? Again, I just want to go back to, and not in a negative way, it's just the words that Jesus uses We have weeds all around us, and weeds do what weeds do. And so I'm surprised when things are hard. Because we got weeds in our workplace. And if he or she's sitting next to you, don't tell them they're a weed. We got weeds where we have recreation. We have weeds at Walmart. Came across this meme recently. Says, so you tell me I need Jesus to be saved? He goes, bro, I'm telling you, you need Jesus to go to Walmart. 
So walking among the weeds means we live by faith, not by sight. And that's going to be extremely important this year. We're going to bring this up all throughout the year. We're going to talk about politics a lot this year. And I'm not going to tell you how to vote. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm going to tell you, watch where your allegiance lies. Watch what you're passionate about. Our hope is in Jesus, Christ the King, not a political candidate. That brings us unity. Because we have people who vote all across the spectrum in here. But you know they follow Jesus first. Walk by faith, regardless of the outcome of whoever your candidate is, because Christ is still king. We just sung about it. Did we not? He is the one over kings and dominions and powers and authorities and positions. Right? I mean, amen. Y'all can say amen. Because if you're weeding it up in here, we got some amen to do it, right? That's not a word, but you can write it down. Make up words. But this influences walk by faith and not by sight. It influences everything we do. Everything. Because then you start realizing, well, weeds act like weeds. And so when people cut you off in traffic and tell you you're number one and all these different things, you expect weeds to do what weeds do. But wheat shouldn't do what weeds do. We'll let that land on you. Lands on me. We don't handle circumstances like weeds do because our hope isn't in this world. I can't linger there. Number three. And finally, working among the weeds. So we got waiting, walking, and finally working among the weeds. Let me just ask this, because I know you guys ponder the deeper things of your theological thoughts in life. Have you ever wondered why at the moment you believed in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and salvation and life that you weren't bottle rocketed back into heaven? Is that, is that just me? I don't know what wonder that. What, doesn't it make sense? Like, okay, I, I'm done. I'm here. I'm a child of yours. Finally, I've fought you for 20-something years, some of you 60-something years, and I'm here. Take me, Lord Jesus. And you know what? He doesn't. Why? I mean, are we done? You can say no because it's true. No, we're not done. Life is just starting, to be honest. Real life, the abundant life. Jesus, in the greatest sermon that's ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Mount. in Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. You've heard it. He says, a city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, so it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I'm asking, what are people seeing in you? Are we doing good deeds, good works, out of an overflow of our love for God and the love that we receive from God and our love for others? What are we doing? And it got me really thinking about this because there's been a lot of debate about the He Gets Us commercials in the Super Bowl. And it's crazy because it's among Christians, right? You can have some thoughts. We all have thoughts. I don't want to say don't have thoughts, and we all think the same way, but when it becomes divisive, that's a problem. Now, sure, I have thoughts about he gets us commercials, but my main thought 
Because really, it's a Jesus PR campaign is what's, what's going on here. And one hand to me, it thinks it's kind of cool. Let's talk about Jesus. The second thing, I'm like, man, it got me thinking. If really, if, if we were less cultural Christians and more devoted disciples, would this campaign even be needed? Would this campaign even been created? The answer is no. The answer is no. It's because Christians mess it all up. We forget whose we are, and we forget where we live. And so we start living like weeds and less like wheat. And don't get hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. But are we growing in Christ? And I want us to fight for perspective. I want us to fight when things go south, you know they will. It's not a surprise to you. Now, you may not know what's going to come, but you know something's coming. You know people are going to act wrong, rude, and indifferent. You know these things happen. You know the culture is going to crash this year because of the political campaigns that really pit one another against each other. Don't let it happen to us. Like, be involved, but know where your allegiance lies. We serve one king in his name is Jesus. And that shapes everything we do. So let me close with this, because he finishes explaining the parable. Verse 40, he says, Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and he will gather from his kingdom all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness. They will throw them into the burning furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus uses this terminology frequently. This weeping and gnashing of teeth speaks to the emotional and physical agony of an eternal hell. As I was thinking about this, it's been interesting to me for a lot of different reasons. Over the last years now, we've had these debates about American borders. And as I was thinking about that, I know, again, that can be very political, depending on how you want to approach that debate. There's no debate regarding the borders of the kingdom of God. Zero debate. The border of Christ's kingdom is open to everyone. That's good news, right? Yeah. Everyone who believes. Just got real, didn't it? Like, because we want to do just everyone. Y- y'all come. And it's true. If you believe, Jesus says in John 10, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go and find pasture. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the gate. He is the way. In John 3, he said, for God so loved the world in this way that he gave his only son, that everyone, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is very open and offensive. But it's good news to everyone who believes. So it begs the question, how can one believe? And it's interesting that here the, the landowner, the sower, sower, Jesus, is the one who sows good seeds. But yet in his sovereignty as king, he has chosen for his plan A, for people to come to faith in him, to go through his people. Also known as you. And he touched on it last week. The only way people can come to faith and believe is by his people proclaiming or them reading his word, right? 
Romans 10, 14, and 17 says, How then can they call on him who have they not believed in? How can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes from the message about Christ. That's it. So I have to bet, it begs the question, what stops us? When's the last time, don't, I mean, just think about this. What's, when's the last time you actually shared the hope of the gospel with someone? I mean, that, let that sink in. If the people around you, the weeds in your workplace, they depend on you sharing the hope that's in Christ with them. And there's the reality of the weeping and gnashing of teeth of eternal hell waiting for anyone who doesn't believe. What is the excuse that we're making for not sharing the hope that's of the gospel? I think it's awkwardness is what I think. I really think we're afraid of awkwardness. I think we're afraid to make people feel awkward or be offensive. And yet we let them walk in to an eternal hell. We have got to grasp the gravity and reality of hell. We all want to talk about heaven. Nobody wants to talk about hell. This awkwardness stops us. The reality of the eternal agony of hell should propel us. And I love, so I make no secret, my favorite quote is a C.S. Lewis quote. I feel like I quote every other Sunday. I love it. My second one comes from an atheist. Penn Gillette. You know Penn and Teller, the magicians? Penn Gillette, well-known, outspoken atheist. And yet he has this quote that I think is so right on. He says, I've always said that I don't respect people who do not proselytize. I mean, share, share the gospel, share their faith, right? He says, I don't respect that at all. If you believe there's a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, and you think that's not really worth telling them because it would make you socially awkward, and atheists who think people shouldn't proselytize and say... Just leave me alone and keep your religion to yourself. How much do you have to hate someone not to proselytize? I'm going to say it again because this is what the atheist says. How much do you have to hate someone not to share your faith? How much do you have to hate someone to believe ever life, everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe that the truck was bearing down on you, there is a certain point where I tackle you. And he says, and this is more important than that. To which if you grasp what he just said, everyone in this crowd would say amen. Because this is reality. If we believe there's a heaven and there's a hell, why aren't we doing anything about it? While we wait, while we walk, and while we work. We do it for God's glory and for the good of many. And God's placed this church in this community to make disciples. That means as we go, we proclaim the hope of the gospel so people can come to know the one who gives life, who gives love, who gives grace, who gives identity, who gives mercy, who gives purpose and meaning, Jesus. Faith in Jesus transforms weeds into wheat. Brings people from being enemies of God to adopted children of God. Faith comes from what is heard. 
finally in verse 43, he says, And the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. This is good news. Let me close with his words. Let anyone who has ears listen. I wonder if we're listening today. You who are following Christ, I wonder if you're listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your own life. And those who are just still just rebelling and fighting and pulling away from the tugging, I'm praying that God, by his Holy Spirit, has softened your hearts and opened your ears to listen to the goodness of his grace, his amazing love, because he's a good father. Everyone who believes, regardless of your background and baggage, has eternal life, enters in the kingdom of God, starting right now until the kingdom's completion. This is the good news of the gospel, that God's created you just the way you are to know him and love him, but we have this sin problem that has separated us from him. And Jesus lived the perfect life that we couldn't live to die the death that we deserved so we wouldn't have to. Paying the price for our sin, he was nailed to the cross, died, buried, resurrected on the third day, conquering sin and death, and now sits at the right hand of the Father so everyone who has faith and believes in him has eternal life, and that life starts at the moment you believe and lasts forever. Do you believe that? Because if you do, it changes everything. If you don't, you do now. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you, but make that commitment before you leave. Because we're not guaranteed another second. That's just the reality of things. Jesus could come or you can go to see him. That's the two destinies that we're going to face one sooner than the other. I'm going to invite our band back up and we're going to do like we do every Sunday. We continue to worship. But as we sing this last song, we just like to encourage you to respond to what God's doing in your life in this moment. That could be various things, but Maybe that's just sitting and praying as we sing this last song. Maybe it's with praying with someone right around to our prayer team to the side. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you, walk alongside you. You're not alone in this faith journey, nor were you meant to be. But maybe just God's pulling your heart. Like if you finally feel like I've seen that I don't have faith in Jesus, but I need it and I want it. Now's your time to transfer your faith from yourself to your Savior because he's a good God. Maybe for some others, you're seeing that I have lived this kind of neutral, kind of coasting through and have lost focus on those right around me who are hurting and helpless. And you're reminded that you have the news that changes and transforms everything. How might God use you in your workplace, your recreation, even at Walmart? If we stop living as cultural Christians and devoted disciples of Jesus. What would that look like? I'm just going to ask you to respond to what God's doing. For many others, as we sing, it'll be standing and singing praises because he's worthy of it. But know that you have the freedom to be led by the Holy Spirit in this moment. Whatever God's placed on your heart. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing, but you respond to what God's doing in this moment. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the goodness of your grace. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for bringing us here, Father. We know that you are constantly moving and working. And we thank you for being present with us in this moment. Lord, lead us in response. Lead us and show us how you're working in our midst and in us individually, Father. And give us the faith to respond. 
Lord, help us to start living as kingdom citizens. Our hope is fixed on you. Our eyes are fixed on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who is all authority in heaven and on earth, Father. Our faith is in you. Help us to live by faith and not by sight. Give us the faith. Generate the faith inside of us to live wholeheartedly as so devoted disciples of yours in this culture that is so Christless and in crisis. Lead us in worship. Let this day be filled with worship, leading to a week of worship and a month of worship, to a life devoted to you in worship. Because you're worthy, Father. And we thank you for Jesus, and we pray all this. In the name that's above every other name, there is salvation in no other name besides that of Jesus. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.